Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Well, today I've got Scott Mann with me. Scott, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Mark? Hey, so Scott, you were um, a speaker at TEDx Santa Barbara in August in the 2016 show. Yes. And your your uh, views on YouTube are going through the roof, and your talk about rooftop leadership has done really well. And thank you for being on the show. I, I thought it would be uh, interesting for our listeners, because our listeners are organizers and people involved in the in the TED ecosystem, TEDx ecosystem. And I right. thought it would be interesting to hear what it's like uh, to do a TED from the point of view of the speaker. And so thanks for being on the show. No, it's cool, man. And, I, you know, it was so much fun to watch. I've always been a fan of you and Kimberly, but to watch you guys, you know, work the front end and the back end all at the same time. It was that was uh, that was amazing. Like I've, I've been around, you know, high performance missions my whole life and special forces. And that was right up there with them. It was like watching a. It was like watching airfield activity or something. It's crazy. <laughs> so people, so for people who don't know you, uh, we'll put a, a link in the show notes to so they can okay. watch your talk. But what's yeah, your sure. background? Well, so I spent my most of my adult life in U.S. Army Special Forces. Our nickname is the Green Berets, right? Um, and we we are you know kind of an, we are an elite commando type unit, and people confuse us with Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, but we're actually very different. Uh, we typically go into places that are really rough spots behind enemy lines, and we get surrounded by the enemy on purpose. We we like we <laughs> on immerse ourselves. Yep, by design. We immerse ourselves with just like twelve guys in the in the in the language, in the environment, in the culture, um, and we form relationships with oppressed populations, marginalized populations, and we help them stand up on their own against tyranny, against oppression whether that's hostile governments like we did with the Taliban in Afghanistan or whether it's in places where we work with the government to help fight an insurgency like we've done in Colombia. But we're mostly, you know, we're teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. Robin Williams, Robin Williams once called us anthropologists with guns. Um, (laughs) You know, so but we, we pride ourselves in working by, with and through uh, Mark, indigenous populations to achieve big outcomes. We're like a modern day Lawrence of Arabia. When did you um, retire? I mean, you're still, I know you're still active in terms of teaching, but when did right. you get to come home and come home to Tampa? Yeah, so I hung up my uh, desert boots and exchanged them for Tampa Bay flip flops right around uh, April the 1st, 2013. So that would have been just what, you know, four years ago. Really, not not that long ago, and no, so no. since then you're you're out talking and 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 teaching, and and writing. You've got you've what you've done two books now, or are you on your third? I'm, I've done on my third. 
Um, it's still a little bit nascent. I'm, you know, I'm kind of of the superstitious part, so I'll probably keep it close hold a bit longer, uh, on what I'm working on, but it's, uh, suffice it to say it's, um, I think it's going to be a powerful book and, and, uh, yeah, I've written two books, but you can't see it right now, but right over there is my river. And that river was where I was going to retire and spend all my time fishing for redfish. Um, and I guess life's what happens when you're making other plans, but you know, I don't think I've put a line in that water in four years. Uh, instead I've been, I've, I've, I've been traveling all over the country, all over the world, uh, speaking, telling stories on leadership, human connection and storytelling. So it's been a crazy ride. Not what I expected. How, how did Ted come on your radar? Well, you know, I mean, we believe it or not, you know, even over in Afghanistan and, and places like that where we were deployed, you know, you, you have access to the internet and, and Ted, TEDx talks were pretty popular. I mean, you know, mm. you have you have a lot of time on your hands. So I was familiar with Ted for some time, and I always, I've always, I consider myself a storyteller. Now I am a professional storyteller, um, and so I always knew that was something I would love to do. It, it, it fascinated me, you know, the this this aspect of getting on that red dot and 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 putting an idea out there that could change things at such a dynamic level. So. I don't even know. I think at least, you know, four or five, maybe six years. I mean, it's been a long time that I've heard of Ted mm, and mm-hmm. watched it evolve, but didn't really entertain, you know, putting myself in the red circle until, you know, a, a, about a year ago, maybe two, year and a half. And so tell me what that was. I'm, I'm curious what it was like, because I don't remember. I think Kimberly recruited you to the show and said, mm-hmm. we want you. Mm-hmm. So what? tell me what that was like. It's terrifying. <laughs> Come on, you're a green parade, you know, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, Hey, I've jumped out of planes hundreds of times and I'm still scared of heights. You know, I mean, uh, what is the saying that I used to tell my little boys or they're not little anymore, but when I would deploy, they would say, dad, I'm scared. And I would say, look, fear, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to do what you have to do, even when you're afraid. And I've always loved that feeling of just the the hardcore butterflies and the and the adrenaline and and going on the TED stage was that for me. It, it felt a lot like you know deploying to a new country or taking on a new mission because it was there's no safety net at TED. Right. Like, right. There's no safety net. It's it's you know you are walking the, nut, the, the 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 line without a net and. You know, I, I don't know. I was I was I was terrified and and just excited all at the same time. It was a it was it, it went really fast. It was again. It was very much like a mission, in the huh. sense that it was almost surreal. You are a storyteller. You, I mean, you said that you're a professional storyteller, and and I've heard you talk about telling stories with the Afghan tribal leaders and all of that. And most of the time, you know, when you do a talk, you just, you know, you show up, you have your talk and I know you're one who rehearses, but you know, you show up, you do your talk and you leave. How was giving the Ted talk different than any other talk you've given? It was different on a range of levels, Mark. I mean, first of all, look at the stakes, right? I mean, look at the stakes that are in play at, at TEDx or any TED event. I mean, my God, the audience is curated. <laughs> like right. the people in the, you know, you don't have mouth breathers in the audience. These are, these are players. You know, these are high performing people uh, from every discipline imaginable, every background, every ethnicity. 
And, you know, it's an audience that tolerates and suffers no fools, first of all, you know, and, 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 and it's very clear when, I mean, even, you know, I've spent a lot of time on stages and, you know, looking at audiences and dialing into audiences. And I've never seen an audience like that. I mean, it, they're players, all of them, you know, and they're leaning in, they're ready. Mm, uh, but mm. at the same time, you're, there's no free rides, you know, and, and it's like you get a sense of that the minute you walk in, even at rehearsals, you just look, you can feel it. It's palpable. So that's the first thing. It's like, the, to me, the stakes, they're just higher because the audience is so engaged, you know, and there's such a history and such a legacy um, and level of precedent with Ted that you don't see, I think, you know, in a, in a lot of arenas when you go to speak. Um, but then also there's, you know, there's the structure, there's the, there's the standards. Um, and I don't know, I guess maybe I'm old fashioned in the sense that I've always been a fan of standards. I've always been a fan of legacy and, what it means to be, for example, part of special forces and those people that came before you. Right. And, and I mean, you, you carry that and, and it's, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of responsibility. And so I felt like when I was walking into that red circle that I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm walking out there, keeping this legacy going, keeping that standard mm. high, right. And, and advancing that standard. And man, I didn't realize the pressure that that would bring, <laughs> but it did. It brought a lot of pressure. I mean, even well into the talk. How how much of that awareness did you bring to it, and how much was the the speaker coach? Your coach was Kimberly. How much yeah. was it of her kind of broadening your your view on that? It was a blend, you know. I mean, as a Green Beret, we have to make connections in five minutes, or we're dead. Right. You know what I mean? Like our clients are ticked off folks with guns, and so I've always been. Uh, present and I've always prided myself in being intentional and, you know, and just in the moment right, right. and very, and very, very dialed into, you know, connections. I mean, you're that way. I mean, and I think maybe, sure, uh, sure. maybe we're a little long in the tooth too, and maybe that helps, you know, but now they can't um, see us. We're on a podcast, so they can't see all my gray hair. Yeah. Well, well, that's okay. We, you just gave it away. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so there, I've, you know, I, there was what I, I guess what I brought through, through that piece of experience and working in those high stakes environment. But I will say, you know, Kimberly coaching me, you know, I'd never really been coached for speaking. Um, I mean, Bo Eason, I've worked with Bo, but I've never been coached like, you know, aggressively and, and rigorously moving toward a speech. Um, but I was with Kimberly and, and I'll tell you, you know, man, it wasn't until I stepped out there, that's when I really knew it's like, damn, I'm glad I did that, you know, because uh, everything started to happen based on the regimen, the rigor and the ritual that she brought in the coaching and the intensity that I brought as a student. I like that you said regimen, rigor and ritual. Mm-hmm, my three R's. What, what was the ritual? Uh, well, a series of things, but you know, every morning, um, I do, uh, what I call a tribal 12 and it's, it's where I get connected back to the earth. Um, everything from standing on rocks to moving dirt through my hands to working on the voice in my chest to how I move, um, 
to my physicality and matching my voice to my words. You know, it's a, it's a ritual that I go through and I've brought different things from Bowie's into tribes that I've worked with. And, um, even things that I did in the military that helped me get dialed into my environment. So, um, that's my ritual. And I do that every morning and it, I find that it makes me much more present mm, and prepared. Mm. And when I, and when I combined that with the, like the rigor and the regimen that Kimberly brought for just like, I mean, she's pretty intense, man. You know that, I mean, <laughs> you know, focused, focused, uh, practice yes. and, and, and she and I are, are very kindred spirits in that regard. Like we both love practice. So it was just those three things were so immediately evident when I walked out internally to me, like I felt right. them and that, right. that was great. Did you, you know, one of the things that, cause I, I'm kind of right there with all the speakers and have been mm-hmm. for the years of doing this. I'm curious, what did it feel like? What, you know, you, you step onto the circle and it's real, right? Yeah. And you see that audience and, and you had a little taste of it in rehearsal and you have, you've done your talk a hundred times. So, you know, that talk, is it true that you actually let go of the talk and go into the moment and then it flows? Did you have that yeah. sense? Oh, totally. And I, you know, that's true. That to me is true. Anytime you're telling, that's the difference between storytelling and a speech. Like if you oh. asked me, absolutely. If you wanted to, and you can see it, if you're a producer or if you are in the audience, you can tell when someone is telling a story and you can tell when someone is giving a speech, right? right? right and, and, right. and, and, and if someone is telling a story, yes, you still practice and you prepare. But the reason you do that is to get the story down in your bones, Mark, to get it in mm. your body, mm. right? Mm. Because we've mm. been telling stories for a hundred thousand years, you know, watch a tribal storyteller in sub-Saharan Africa or Southwest Asia, and you'll see that their physicality with their story, they're, they're, it's playful. They're so animated. They're fully expressed. Right. And the only right. way you can get there is to practice that and get that down in your bones. So, so yeah, when you walk out on the stage, um, and, and it's go time, it's play time. Like at that point, you're not going to remember crap anyway. You're so, <laughs> you're so amped up and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, you got the, the nerves and all that, but as someone who's giving a speech, it's memorized and you can see it. It's all from the neck up. Like it's all huh. from the neck up huh. and it's all in their head and right. they're, and they're, and they're, they're focused on remembering what they're supposed to say at the right time. And if I were going to characterize the difference between a storyteller on the TED stage and, and this, and a speaker like gets just memorizing is the speaker is asking himself or herself, how am I doing? A storyteller is expressed and looking out in the audience going, how are they doing? Mm. That, that was actually is going to be my next question was um, when we have workshops, uh, we bring an improv instructor in and he talks about that checking in with the audience. And he says, you know, even as a performer, it is a conversation that you're having with them. What, what kind of cue does the audience give you that lets you know you're connecting? That is a really, really great question. Um, what I would do is I would back it up and I would tell anyone listening to this podcast, if you want a really great tool to get your head around uh, to use in TEDx, whether, you know, in preparation and execution, the storyteller's triangle well, is a that? great tool. 
so basically it's, um, you know, obviously it's a triangle, but each point on the triangle represents the, the three components of the storytelling event. There's the teller, which, you know, think of the, the teller at the, at the top of the triangle. Yep. Um, and then, um, as you trace down, looking at the triangle to the left corner, left bottom corner, that is the story. And then over to the right bottom triangle, that is the, um, audience. Okay. Okay. So now that's just draw the points first. Like don't connect the lines. Okay. And then, and then draw for, you know, again, for folks listening to this, look at the, the dot that says the teller. So that's you, or that's your speaker. Right. You're in storytelling or really any human engagement. Um, the teller has two relationships. The teller has a relationship with her story. Um, and, and that's a very intimate, um, developed relationship with the story. And it's, it's critical that the teller has a relationship with their story because if the, if the teller is not immersed in their story, then no one else will be either. Mm, Right. mm, And and this mm, is what, when you're, when you have a relationship with your story through practice and regimen and development, people sense it and they see that it's safe and they'll come into your story as well. Uh, the second, so you want to draw a line from the teller, like an arrow down to the, okay. the story right? okay. and, and you want to do everything you can to enhance your relationship with that story as the teller, right? Whether that's practice, that's ritual, that's writing, that's playing, right. you know, visualizing, whatever. And then the other line goes from the teller down to the audience and that's an arrow and that's a direct relationship as well that the teller has. The teller has um, a direct relationship with the audience. And so like your improv coach who says, check in with the audience. Absolutely. Right. Um, it's all about connection as humans. We are wired to connect. We are the most social creatures on the planet. We, you know, we are biologically predisposed for connection. I teach this as a green beret, oxytocin, serotonin. Uh, these are, these are molecules that are emitted that basically promote connection because to make it to the top of the food chain, we did that by, forming groups and, and clans. And so we want to connect all the time. So if you can enhance your connection with the audience, which is back to your question, how did you know they will show you physically their eyes, they will lean in their, their, they will, their, their closed postures will open up. They will empathetically nod and smile and they will start to even mirror what you do. And more importantly, as a, as a storyteller, you will start to feel when the audience is syncing up with you, right? You can feel it and it and it moves through the audience. If you've ever sat in a movie that was a great movie and everybody claps or laughs at the same time. If you right. watch certain TED Talks, and I'm proud to say mine was one of them where everyone literally does a standing ovation at exactly the same moment, that's that syncing that you're looking for. Right, right. Um, so so anyway, back to the triangle, relationship with the, te- with the teller to the story, and to the audience. Now there's one other relationship though that is interesting and that is the relationship that the audience has with the story. Mm. That te- the teller does not get a vote directly in that one. That's why uh, you're walking uh. you're walking the rope without a net because the audience you know no matter what you do the audience gets to decide whether they choose your story or not. And mm. what I have learned mm. is the, the deeper your relationship is with your story and the tighter your connection with your audience, 
the more likely that line will be drawn from the audience to the story. Wow, I love that. I've, I've not heard that before. And, and again, proves why uh, this was a great idea to have speakers come and talk about behind the scenes bit because how you, you know, how you think about things. I know that speakers just, they just get freaked out on doing this yet, you know, and you're a professional, you know, I mean, you, you do this, this is, and you do it where there are really high stakes. What would you say was the, the biggest dragon in your, I mean, I'm a Joseph Campbell hero's journey guy. So uh-huh. yeah. I'm, you know, I'm curious, what was the, was there a dragon you needed to slay on your way to the red circle? Yeah. Can I be candid? Please. Yeah. So, uh, well there were, so the big dragon was, um, none of these folks in Southern California are going to want to hear what a green beret has to say about leadership. Hmm. And I, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, it's, it's a contentious topic, right? I mean, even Afghanistan and, and the war on terror and, you know, I've had my, I've had my experiences where people are very anti-military and, right. you know, and, and this was a very diverse audience and I didn't know what to expect. And frankly, I, you know, it was my own baggage. It was my own voices in my head, my own head chatter that was telling me all that, but it was my dragon. Right. right. And, right. and, and yeah. I mean, there's yeah. other yeah. There's all these people on the stage, Mark, who, you know, my God, I mean, they've done all these amazing things and they've accomplished all these amazing things. And here I am going in there, you know, as a knuckle dragging Green Beret talking about the leadership lessons that I learned in combat. And what are these people going to think of me? I mean, like and, and, and I'll be honest, I mean, the, the the stage fright, the nervousness that came with that was immense. And I'm pretty used to dealing with stage fright and, and just a bit of a. You know, I'll diverge just for a second here. I think for producers and people listening to this, you know, one of the things that that I think is important to tell folks to speakers, your speakers about stage fright is stage fright is energy and it's necessary energy. And you, you have stage fright because you care, because yeah, it matters, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and if you don't have it, you don't have it. You shouldn't be up there. And and it's more about it's not about getting rid of stage fright. It's about redirecting it. And so in this case, for me. You know, I had to really redirect that energy. And so what I did was I focused really hard on my story and immersing myself in my story. And I just told myself, look, I am going to leave it all out there. And if you watch Mm. me give the talk, like you see that, like everything I have is in that story. Um, And I really focused on the audience. And it was interesting. When, you know, there were quite, I would say proportionally, there were more folks in the audience who were closed off to me than right. at any speech I've ever given huh. in the, be- in the beginning. Right. But here's what, here's what's interesting. So the first part of my talk is military and that kind of thing. But then I get to a part, uh, talk about my dad's cancer and it's a very personal thing. It's, it's, it's very emotional. And it was just my dad and me in the chemo clinic having a conversation about what happens after he leaves this world. And guess what happened? Every person in the audience unfolded their arms, leaned in and start and started to think about not my dad, but their mom or their sister or their cousin or their own battle with cancer. Because the reality is we listen to stories autobiographically. We locate ourselves in other people's stories, and that's what allows us to resolve our own problems. That's why storytelling is so much better than speaking. And it was in that moment that the dragon laid down, and 
did not raise its head again for the rest of the talk. I love that. That's, um, that is going to be, I, I want potential speakers to listen to this episode too, because there, there's a lot of gold there. What was, what do you think your most important lesson was? Because I know you're always learning, you're always teaching yourself. Was there a, a lesson through that process, something that you learned uh, that you still use to this day? Mm, yeah, so I actually learned, I, I know you probably get this all, but I learned a lot of lessons. But the most poignant lesson that I learned was actually a reaffirmation. And it was the value of preparation. Uh you know, I mean, uh, I have always, you know, been taught and, and in life or death situations learned that preparation is everything for execution of high performance. And, you know, going into the, the, the speaker storyteller world, that has just been proven over and over again. But at TEDx, it was so poignant, Mark, because the stakes were so high. And, you know, not, you know, I mean, the other thing that I'll tell you too, man, like the stories that I'm telling, these are stories about guys, a lot of them that aren't around anymore, right? right their right. their families are watching uh, this talk that I'm giving. Jim Gant, who I talk about in the, right. in the in, you right. know, in the talk, who, who the book American Spartan, they're going to make a movie. His entire team was sitting together, right, watching this talk live stream. And they have not been reunited mm. Since their mission mm, wow. in 2000. Did you know like that six. was happening or did you hear yeah. about that afterwards? No, I knew. So, you know, wow. all that is, is in here, sure, right. Is, is churning sure. around in my chest. And it was, it was truly preparation and practice ritual regimen and rigor that, um, that got me through it and, and allowed me to, I think to connect to people and, and maybe put a message out there that, that can inspire people to lead from the rooftop, right. To, to inspire yeah. Others follow them not because they have to, but because they choose to. One of the things that I'm curious about was the, I, I call it the care and feeding of our speakers, right? I mean, we don't have a show without without speakers yeah. and doing the kinds of things uh, that you all need. Was there... Was there something there that surprised you that you just you didn't think you were going to need and it was there? And I don't know if there was or not, but I'm, I'm curious. Well, look, I mean, you and I have known each other a while. And, and this, you know, for anyone listening to this, I mean, first time I've heard this question. And because I think this is important. Um, because one of the things that, that prepared me and, and put me where I needed to be was when I showed up the day before. And I walked into the theater and you were positioned, um, you know, well, you were on backstage and then out in the audience and you were completely dialed into the speakers all day long as they were preparing and rehearsing. Like for the second I got there, Hey Scott, what's going on? Here's what we're doing. You had it. And I, I, and it was very obvious that you were in charge. Right. And I'm telling you, when, when you're coming into a situation like that as a speaker and you mm, got the nerves mm, going and you're not sure. You know, running into someone who's in charge and who just through their physicality shows, you know what, I got this, uh, and then tells you where to go and what you need to do. It was just nice. It was nice to be able to let down my guard, go down to the green room, and, and what was going on in the green room was amazing. I mean, like there was literally care and feeding going on. I mean, there were, you know, everything from water bottles to, you know, to bars and fruit and just all the time. And not that I'm like some kind of friggin' diva, because I'm not. I mean, I, you know, I can I can live pretty Spartan, 
but it was the fact that you guys were thinking about all the nutritional things, all the rest things that needed to happen, right, the sequencing. Right, right. And I and I always knew what was going on. I mean, that's the big like I am I am a I am a uh, man, I am adamant about knowing what's going on when high performance is at stake. I want to know where we are. And you guys were constantly letting us know where we were in the sequence, what was going on. And I mean, I honestly don't, I don't know how you did it, but it was very obvious. <laughs> and, 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 and your demeanor though was always, uh, it was never frazzled or rattled. It was just like, it was like a really cool, calm demeanor. Um, you know, with, with what it is, which is a little bit of organized chaos and, and you just were comfortable with that. So yeah, it was from start to finish. I never once was worried about sequencing or where are we, what's going on? Everything was handled. And all I had to do was focus on one thing. And that was that red dot, which by the way, as a green beret, I'm all about focusing on red dots in my optics. So, you know, <laughs> Inside joke there. <laughs> you know, as as we uh, as we get to the end, I, I'm curious, what's your next big high stakes stage you're looking forward to? Oh well, I just did a uh, a presentation to the president and all of the senior vice presidents of Capital One Commercial Bank. I was their keynote speaker and wow. trainer. Wow! On wait for it, rooftop leadership. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this, um, this Friday I am giving, um, a keynote speech to a $10 billion, um, salvage company of all things that's publicly traded on leading through change using rooftop leadership. And what I'll point out here is that since TED TEDx, that was the first time I ever did my rooftop leadership talk. And since then, man, Everything has changed. I have given that talk really? all over the country, and most of the people who hire me at a very nice speaker fee, guess where they saw me give the talk? The TEDx video, which wow. is prominently displayed on my website. Sure, of course, of course. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who is um, getting ready to get on to the red circle? Um, I, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice that I would give them is connect as deeply as you can to your audience, make it about them, right? Just make it about them. And that will translate to the camera. It will translate to everybody that matters and, and you'll do what you want there to do, but just focus on the people that you're giving this talk to. And remember that it's to serve them. And, and if you serve them, everything else will work itself out. Well, you know, I love that. I, I, I would like to end on that. But my last question, because the show's called Hacking the Red Circle, which is yeah. as an organizer, um, we do something I call value engineering, which is yeah. how do I do a million dollar show for $50,000, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's how do I, I just engineer the heck out of it. And that comes from hacking. You know, I mean, you just, you figure yeah. out how to make it work. You MacGyver yourself. So yeah. was there a, What's your best hack in terms of speaker prep? Hmm. Uh, okay, here, here it is. You ready? Yeah. This is, all right, the, only for you, brother. <laughs> you should do um, six times as much preparation 
as you do for the actual event. So, you know, a typical, a typical talk, right? You know, if you're going to go on stage and give a six, uh, a one hour keynote, you should, you should rehearse for six hours. Um, you know, that's my standard, that's my standard rule when it comes to te- you know, to speaking is six to one, yep. always six to one, right? Um, for TEDx, I would triple it. Huh. Wow. I would get a, I would get a coach and I would triple it because, wow. because, because it is no fail, man. If right, you're giving right. a talk, like if I'm giving a talk to that $10 billion waste management company and I mess up, Hey, you know what? Hey guys, hold on a second. Here's what happened. You, you can do that on the Ted stage, but the stakes are too high. The stakes are too high and it will, it will come through that you're not ready, that you're not prepared. Hmm. And, and it is, hmm. it is unforgiving. I mean, it, it, when you see it, like it, you, you never ever right. get that back. Yeah. You never get that back. So six to one for normal speaking, triple it at least and get a coach. And is, isn't it funny? It's 18 to one and that's how long the talks are 18 minutes. There you go. I love it. Scott, man, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I uh, appreciate your friendship. I'm so thrilled to hear that, uh, that idea that we launched on the red circle and what's shot up to the stratosphere is, is really doing well for you. And, uh, we appreciate it and we appreciate your friendship. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Mark. And best of luck to all the folks that are putting these things together. It's a really important thing. Thanks for listening to hacking the red circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show, or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.